The SV650 is one of Suzuki's most successful bikes ever. Introduced to the market as an affordable but fun middleweight way back in 1999, the modestly powered machine, which came in naked and fed forms, was primarily designed for more basic forms of motorcycle like commuting and the odd weekend blast. But few could have predicted just how successful the characterful V-Twin would turn out to be. The SV's been hugely successful, winning the hearts of thousands and developing cult appeal. It's excelled, selling really well and serving riders of all ages and levels of experience superbly and for a variety of uses. It's one of biking's biggest overachievers. The SV has gone on to do really well in racing too, filling grids of many of the UK's major circuits and surpassing all expectations on track. To think it's still going strong over two decades after it first hit the showroom says it all really. In short, the SV is a truly remarkable machine, worthy of plenty of praise. In this podcast, we speak to four men who've had a happy association with the venerable 650. Experienced bike journalist Alistair Fagan has massive experience with SV650s. He's ridden loads of them on both road and track. We focus on his experience of racing the V-Twins, including his time thrashing one at the TT. Al, as a journalist, you'll have ridden plenty of SV650s. Uh, did you expect it to be suited to TT racing? Well, I'd done quite a lot of racing previously on a Super Twin. So I did a bit of Mini Twins now and again, just you know, for a bit of fun. And then in 2011 and 12, I did the inaugural Super Twin Series in the UK. Um on an SV650 with, with JHS Racing and absolutely loved it. I mean, it was a bit, a bit of a development year, should we say. I mean, you know, James was punting out motors with 100 horsepower and um, some of them didn't last, um, but it was a, it was a development year. <laughs> um, a progression, you know, testing out what worked, what didn't. And very much, I, was, I suppose I was the guinea pig for what was to come in his TT years, really, because they were doing TTs back then, but not to the extent they were in the later years, um, and chucking in the amount of riders and the support and the money that goes with it. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I had a good idea that it would be good. You know, you, it's a simple formula, really. You put suspension and an exhaust and fueling and better brakes and then job done. It's a, it's a, it's a happy shopper to um, a happy racer. You know, early, like in the early days when you're pushing 9,500 horsepower, things things broken you know they it was the it was trying to test out the limit of um of the engine components and what what could be used what couldn't be used and uh, yep. you know they were pushing out some really big power and it, in at times you know you could keep up because of how light they were you could give a good 600 super swap like a run for its money on some tracks bloody hell uh, well we had some decent results you know we had a unfortunately because of the class was because the class was so new we were up against the Aprilia RRV 450s and you know they were being ridden by teenagers who didn't really care if they went home on a Monday morning or who fixed the bike um, and they were you know they were, I think they were 120 kilos or something stupid and the riders were about half of me anyway so but you know we put up a good fight and we had a couple of super, super twin class wins and uh, but yeah like I said it was early development years but we were using the the older original SV frame uh, and yeah it was it was just really good fun I mean that was my again that was my first taste of proper um, SV racing really and essentially that was you know the early bike was a stock SV and we put different wheels and different suspension and just brakes and an exhaust and a power commander and that was it um, and I absolutely loved it and it wasn't the track that that bike didn't like you could take it anywhere and you didn't have to change much, didn't have to change a clicker, you just got on it and rode it. And that was, you know, coming from super bikes and super sport and, you know, uh, telemetry and all sorts of stuff like that. It was refreshing. It was almost going back to basics and enjoying your racing a bit more. So, yeah, love that part of love that part of it. It sounds as though it was pretty cheap as well then. Cheap, cheerful, sort of hard to fault racing in many ways. Yeah, I mean, like, like mini twin racing, I think that is the best bang for buck racing and the most enjoyable racing you can do you know this the the mini twins grids are still rammed everywhere you go 
every club you go, every track you go, those mini twins grids are still full. And it just says a lot about the bike, you know, it's uh, there, you can pick a, a cheap bike up for 1500 quid, two grand, you know, you can change tires maybe three or four times a season, maybe once a season if you're, if you're that skin, but it is cheap racing. And you know, this, the super twins class isn't cheap. I can definitely tell you that, but it's all about how much you want to spend and how much performance you want to get out of the bike. So, um, yeah, it's essentially it is cheap racing. I'll tell you, you've almost talked me into sort of getting one and getting back out there. It's the world isn't ready. <laughs> Sorry, send that last bit again. The world isn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, can't, I, I try to argue, but I think you've got two stronger points, so I won't bother. Yeah. I mean, did James make did James make a TT engine? I mean, I, I, I'm surmising here, but given the fact that you've probably got to be flat out for a long time, did he have to make something a bit more with a gentle tune, geared for sort of endurance rather than lap time? Yeah, certainly. I mean, every time that you, the thing is, you can't test for the TT, can you? No matter where you go, what you do, you cannot test for the TT. So there's not a track in the world that will replicate what happens on that mountain course. So you go there year every year and you develop stuff every year. So in the early years, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure when you chat to James that he'll, um, he'll give you some better examples, but you know, things like Conrod bolts and, you know, and the, and the frame itself, you know, because the, although the frame is a completely different part of the engine, it's, you know, the, the frame does play an important part in the engine's integrity and what happens. So, you know, there was engine mounts that, um, that caused the bike to vibrate slightly and that caused the other issues. So yeah, there's, there's, there's so much to think about. And um, thankfully I'm, I'm a rider and I just ride it rather than engineer it. Did it feel cruel at times over the mountain or down Stolby Streets on some of the faster sort of uh, continual, sort of continually fast sections? Well, we had a, I mean, it was slightly uh, different story because the year that I did it, we had uh, we had an issue with Conrad Bolt. So I actually did the race and most of other practice, uh, most of the practice week with a standard engine. Now that standard engine did, you know, I think it had done twenty thousand miles, and it felt brilliant. I mean, the only the only difficult issue we had was the we had a stock gearbox. We didn't have a close ratio gearbox, which made a big difference, and that kind of hindered us a bit. But overall, I mean. It, it felt brilliant and but like you said that there was times when you know when you're flat out for two three minutes on that on that sv and i don't know i i think because the whole experience was new to me anyway it did feel a bit cruel definitely there was there was times when i was thinking just please keep going please keep going hold on hold on i've got another you know another 37 three quarter miles to go um, but yeah, there was definitely some mechanical sympathy crept in towards the end of my race, that's for sure. So Al, you, you had an issue with the tuned engine in practice and then you ended up using this 20,000 mile old standard bike for the rest of the fortnight. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said previously, we had, a, we had an issue with Conrob, uh, with um, Conrob bolts and uh, two of the four engines that were built that night had failed. Just stupid, you know, stupid little, you know, two, three pound bolts that, you know, that James found out the hardware, I suppose. But yeah, so we ended up racing um, that first night of practice on my second flying lap by myself. Um, she she locked up going into uh, Hanley's and I'm, I was <laughs> very close to hitting the wall. So I parked up and um, smoked 20 fags and drank six cans of cellar and I'm, I'm smoked in, in three years. So it was a bit of a, it was a good evening. Um but then, yeah, so that the rest of the fortnight, and it was a fortnight because it was glorious weather, we were out, we had plenty of laps of practice. Um, yeah, so the rest of the, the fortnight was spent on the uh, on the standard motor. So a real testament to the strength of that motor. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the bulletproof, isn't, you know, unless you put diesel in it or unless you, you know, um, hit it with a hammer, there's only so much that can go wrong with those engines. And yeah, it was, like I said, it was bulletproof. Uh, did everything last as it should have, though, in the end? Yeah, the only issue we had with that standard motor was a, a, a spark plug failed. 
So um, it, <laughs> at some points I was down to a, a single pot because of the, this this uh, dodgy spark plug. But yeah, no, it felt like I said it. It's uh, we had to gear it slightly tall, um, or slightly too tall, really. I mean, it wouldn't pull sixth, especially with my fat ass on it. Um, but yeah, depending on which way the went, the wind went, and the uphills. Like I said, you can't, you can't. There's no, there's no uh, sort of template for the TT. You just have to suck it and see. And especially with a, a rookie rider like myself, you just went out and you know did what felt right. So it'd be fair to say that it was a good and thorough test of that motorcycle then. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like I said, that engine had done I think twenty two thousand miles, um, and it just had the the hardest one hundred and twenty five miles of its life, um, and it didn't you know didn't miss a beat. And likewise, the rest of the bike, you know, it was because of my experience with the, the SV, I knew roughly what the what the geometry should be, um, and it's just a case of getting on and riding it. And I don't think you can really upset a bike too much, like the SV. You, you can't really upset it. You just you 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 put in the suspension suspension for settings that feel okay and feel right at the time. And there's only you know there's you can't like I said you can't really mess with it. It's 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 almost bulletproof. What, what what was your best lap on that standard engine then, Al? The standard engine, I did a 106.9. 106.9. Not bad. Which would have won me the Max GP. So I was happy yeah. that, yeah. I was happy. Yeah. My, my original target was 105, so, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, where did you, what, what did you sort of enjoy about the SV? Where was it at its best? I mean, I think... Certainly, the flowing corners. I mean, like I said, we had some issues with the, with the standard gearbox. We had to run different gearing, so it definitely it definitely preferred the open road. And um, like I said, the handling is its is its strong point. And uh, through the through the sort of flowing stuff, and yeah, I really really certainly enjoyed those bits. Um, and again, as, although we could change the uh the the swing arm and stuff like that the most the majority of the bike still it's essentially a, it's essentially an sv so um the, the the handling is definitely its strongest point i mean could you go as fast as maybe 103 mile an hour on an absolute bog stock one with decent tires i i think if if say a top super twin rider went out on a stock sv they'd do a 110 mile an hour easy easy on a standard, a standard SV. SV. yeah 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 um i mean with that tuned engine old do you think you could have done 110 yourself i think with uh with if i'd gone back the next year then i could have done 110 on a standard motor um, but yeah but yeah i mean, certainly the horsepower figures that it was churning out it was the most it was the second most powerful bike on the dyno at the TT in all the Super Twins. Um, so I think it had the most torque out of all the Super Twins. So it was, you know, like I said before, the, the, there's there's a fine line and uh, unfortunately we crossed it. But those engines, the potential of the, the bike could be fulfilled, hopefully by a, by a much better rider. And I'd, I'd say, I'd certainly say, you know, I think Jack Russell did 115 on one uh, on the JHS bike. So uh, he wasn't far off at all. So, I mean, given that bike started life as something suitable for going to the shops or dispatching on, for it to be able to do what he does at the TT as well, you know, as you say, in what could be fairly unmodified form, it's as remarkable as a GSXR in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you look at the lap times and the differences between a standard road bike and a you know a, a full-on uh, senior TT bike, then the differences, I suppose, that, uh, I, I, I'd imagine the differences would be minimal compared to that because you've got to you know you've got to have a bike working uh, to a certain within a certain set of parameters, whereas an SV, you can just jump on it, and anyone can jump on it and ride it fast. You know, you haven't got to have a this window of working area. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see that actually. But yeah, it's um, it's even more remarkable. Like you said, it's definitely uh, definitely a versatile steed. I mean, it sounds as though it was quite friendly to race hard. Was it on the side? You know, was it a good bike for starters? 
Yeah, I mean, again, I know no different, but I tell you what, there's not one moment apart from the <laughs> the issue with the engine, but apart from that, you know, it's it's just so plush, so easy to ride, and then although it's got another thirty horsepower or twenty five horsepower than uh, uh, than the stock bike, and it's been kind of heavily heavily developed in the chassis department, it still feels easy to ride. It's still you know you could you could ride this bike that I rode to the shops uh, and pick up your your milk and eggs and flour and uh, and do all the rest of it. You know the only area that I struggle with and many other people do is uh, Ginger Hall to Ramsey because you know I, if um, you know that my teeth were rat, being rattled and there's no bike in the world that wouldn't wouldn't stop that. So uh, but yeah, that's it was super easy, easy to ride, plush. Um, yeah, I mean a bit. It probably did about forty to the gallon as well, didn't it? I'll tell you, I think it's a remarkable motorbike, isn't it? Full stop. Given what it can do in standard form on the road, to then go on and do what it can do on track. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing. It, you know, it's a shame all the big capacity, super powerful stuff gets all the headlines. Yeah. Because this is worthy of much praise, I think. Away from the TT, and as Alistair alluded to there, the SV650 fills mini twin grids up and down the country, and nowhere more so than with the British Motorcycle Racing Club. The club's CEO, Mike Domit, tells us more. Mike, are you effectively responsible for the mini twins class of racing? The Benzie oh, Club. So certainly what's happened uh, in recent years, since it was... Uh, kicked off in 2003, really, um, is that BMC certainly picked it up and, and made it happen big time. And um, certainly, historically, has has fielded the largest pure grid of mini-twins at club level by far compared to anybody else. And, and that is still ongoing. You know, we're still, even now, still seeing full grids when we combine our rookie section and our primary mini twin section together uh, of you know 38 40 uh, on a grid everywhere we go um, so it's been a fantastic success story um, and of course uh, of interest to your listenership is that the bike of choice in this class is the is the 650 uh, the sv650 are you surprised that it's sort of proved as popular as it has for racing yeah uh, um, I think we all were but the 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 guys that created the class originally so that's Tim Jones who was a racer at BMC for many years and Mike Edwards who also had an MSV uh, a BSB team uh, missed Suzuki do you remember missed Suzuki that was Mike Edwards uh, they came together and created the concept for this uh, and they started talking about it in early 2000s when they got one of these and tried tricking it, tricking it up and seeing what it would do. And of course, the, the current rules mean that in order to go racing, all you really need to do is change it, put a race exhaust on it. Uh, you can do a bit to the top end and that's about it. Um, and off you go. So long as it, it dynos out at no more than 72 brake. Uh, it's a race bike, and with those sorts of things, um, it's amazing um, how uh, how how competitive the racing is able to be, um, and that's what we've observed all that time. A, a set of race headers, you know, from somewhere like Hindle or Leo Vince, and some a performance shock on it you can change, right? So you can put Olin's or Maxton on it. Set of fork emulators and springs at the front end, uh, and a race exhaust set, and that and, and off you go. Um, so it was always fairly well regarded as as, um, as quite a good uh, form of budget class to get into club racing. Uh, not that not that those things that I've just mentioned are necessarily inexpensive, but you can buy. I was looking on uh, online this week. You can buy a race prepped mini twin now. It's got a bit of age on it, mind you, but I saw one for two grand. And it's ready to go. So even if you spent a little bit more just um, making sure it was okay and changing a few components, it is a cheap way into racing. And the beauty of the paddock at Bemsey is that, you know, you're surrounded by 
35, 40 other bikes and lovers of the class with their mechanics in tow and all their parts that are sitting in their vans. So if you have a problem, inevitably there's going to be somebody or somebody around the paddock who can help you out. And the camaraderie that has developed um, in recent times or in the last few years in this class is quite significant. You know, the club is known as a very friendly place and a friendly paddock. And that is really emphasised by the way the Mini Twins come together. It's very, very competitive and earnest racing on track. And some of the closest races we run are Mini Twin races. Um, and they don't give any quarter, but behind the scenes they help each other out. And I've, I've seen people lend people bikes. It's unbelievable what they'll do to, um, to keep it all going. What other virtues apart from the low cost then do you think the SV has, Mike? Uh, it, the, the good thing about it is I think the, the scale and frame of the bike and they're a fantastic stepping stone uh, for all sorts of branches of the sport. A while ago, I influenced my colleagues on the road race committee of the ACU to allow a 14-year-old uh, on a... Uh, on a uh, clubman license to get on one of these things, which which gave um, a great transitional step from uh, kids that were learning on some of the one two fives in those days, and latterly on our three hundred class, um, to have a stepping stone onto a bike which was intermediate in terms of its power characteristics. So if you think a Ninja three hundred's about thirty seven brake and you're stepping up to a 72 brake horsepower machine and a heavier machine with an SV650. There's a very good pathway there. Otherwise, those riders used to be looking at a, a big jump from a 125 or a 300 up to, say, a 600, because that was your next logical step, so, you know, either a Supersport or a stock 600. And for many riders, that's quite a, quite a significant step. So this, we, we created a license situation at the ACU, the governing body, to allow um, it as an intermediate step for younger riders, which is great. The other aspect of it is that there's an awful lot of old farts riding them as well. And they quite like the idea of not just racing mini twins in the mini twin class, but dabbling around and see, see how much their stamina might take them uh, in doing extra classes at the weekend when they come to a Pemsley. So, the, so we've, we've managed to create other classes around Mini Twins, namely something we call Thunderbike, Thunderbike Sport, which is a, the UK's only club-level power-to-weight ratio class where you can run a standard uh, race-prepped Mini Twin in that class as well. So as a package, it gives you a, process a, a, a stepping stone that you can come come up through the ranks and go be, go beyond so we've had people do that um but it also gives people that are in the class irrespective of their, their level and ability the option on the same bike to go and do other things on the same weekend so you end up getting greater value out of out of your investment by doing it very good um has it proved to be pretty reliable for the race guys yeah yeah um, yeah, we don't, um, it's not often that we have um, oil oil problems caused by Mini Twins around the circuit. I have other classes that are very good at doing that. <laughs> uh, but Mini Twins, um, by and large, pretty good. What are you allowed to do, Mike, to an SV? Not a Mini lot. Twins As I said earlier, just change the front forks, change the, uh, you can put a, a set of shocks on it. Uh, put a race exhaust on it. Uh, you can change uh, bits and pieces on the wiring uh, and on our websites, the full regs for this year, and uh, it's pretty easy to follow. Um, so, yeah, basic stuff. You, you know, subframes can change, put a set of race fairings on it, and you're ready to roll, really. So uh, it's not a great deal to, to do. Uh, and as I say, they, 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 um, they come around as race prep bikes on the second-hand market quite regularly. There's a few up there now. Um, so you'll always be able to find one. Yeah, uh, would the Bemsey Racing Club be a poorer place without the SV650 existing? Uh, it would be a dramatically different place 
and we're so so grateful for uh, the existence of Mini Twins, the creation of it, and the people that still continue to ride the SV650 because it's a fantastic story. James Holland of Bristol-based bike tuners JHS Racing has worked on and modified literally hundreds of SV650s. If you want to improve your SV, expert James is a very good man to talk to. He tells us about his extensive work in making what he considers to be an already very impressive engine produce much more horsepower. James also talks about chassis modifications, which make the Agile Suzuki handle even better. Okay, James, I mean, you're a man who's very familiar with uh, SV650s throughout their life um, and, and modifying them more to the point. I mean, let's start with the engine. Um, how, how suited do you think the SV650 is to engine tuning? Well, I think fundamentally it's the narrow engine, first and foremost, so it keeps the whole bike. So you've got to look at the overall package. But the engine itself is fundamentally a very strong little unit. Um, you know, it doesn't produce the biggest horsepower, you know, straight out the crate, um, but it's not designed to do that. You know, it has a design remit, which it fulfills absolutely perfectly. And when you start to tune it, it will adapt and, and change and, and produce horsepower up to a certain limit. And once you get to that limit, which you can get to quite quickly with the right items, you start to hit limitations. And then you have to really be smart in the limitation uh, reduction in order to get to the next level of horsepower that, that is available from it. But you have to bear in mind that Suzuki has built this engine to run in a certain RPM range for a certain amount of power and torque so when we start racing it for argument's sake um, if you look at mini twins type racing which is a standard engine you you can't do anything to the engine you know it works really really well now you'll hear stories of um you know crankshafts being weak and so they're not weak the crankshafts aren't weak there's there's no issues with the crankshafts there are issues in a number of items and one one of those items is the third party the the, the person who may have worked on that engine if it's not a standard produced factory engine i.e., someone's rebuilt it or done something to it and then they become a weak sort or you've got a situation where they're mixing matching parts again to to fit within the rules and regulations but by and large the engine in standard form is very, very strong. When you start really start tuning it and pushing the boundaries of 90 horsepower plus at the wheel, um, then things fall down. What, what, what sort of power does it make standard and what's the maximum that you can take it to, James? Well, a standard one on our dyno makes about 72 horsepower at peak. Okay, peak RPM. If you take our TT spec bikes, they were they were making between 98 and 105 at peak. Okay, now we can produce more horsepower, but what happens with that is, as we found over time, it, it induces a number of problems um, all the way along the line. So what we've tended gone for now on our latest generations, where we've for the last two years we've been developing different camshaft profiles um, and different piston designs is we're looking for a good broad you know, spread of torque at the top end with a reasonable amount of horsepower up in the sort of 90 to 95 range. But we keep our mid-range grunt as much as we possibly can. We're, we're looking for 52 to 55 pound foot of torque across the board. What, what sort of things go into... What, what sort of work and parts go into making a 95 horsepower engine, James? Um, fundamentally, you've got to have an exhaust pipe. There's only really two exhaust pipes that we feel that work on the bike. And one of them is obviously the tried and tested, the old M4 from America. Um, and then subsequently, to, to take that a step further, we developed our own system, which we have manufactured in titanium to try and lose some weight as much as possible. With the 39mm, throttle bodies they're really really small and they're practically parallel and where the injector is located and the length of the inlet track 
because this engine is designed to run between seven to 9,000 RPM for its maximum power, maximum torque, it's really good at that. But when we want to rev them on and get them high up in the rev range, we have to put bigger throttle bodies on um, and change the injectors. And we've got various different injector setups we use depending if we're running short circuit or the roads. Okay, I mean, in, in short, just give me the key things that you do to, to increase the power significantly, James. So we would fundamentally exhaust system. Yeah. We would carry out some very minor, and it is really, really minor cylinder head work. We change the throttle bodies. As I said, we've got a couple of different throttle body designs, and, and some of them we can buy directly from Suzuki off things like the, 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 the V-Strom 1000. We take the throttle bodies from, from, from that model bike, and we adapt them with other Suzuki items to fit onto the SV650 um, cylinder head. And that works really well. And we make our own bellmouse for that and we incorporate that into our own airbox. Um, and then subsequently, we, we actually use the standard Suzuki camshafts. Um, they seem to work really, really well. And we use the standard valves um, and valve springs and top collars. Those have been really reliable. We, have, we had a lot of breakages on aftermarket items, which you think you're spending a lot of money buying higher quality items to transpire their lower quality items um, but you know fundamentally that the rest of the the engine is in pistons rods and crankshaft weight um, you know we use a forged piston rather than a sandcast piston not that we've ever broken a sandcast piston it's been really good rods we make um, now we have them made for us um, and the crankshaft weight we do a lot of work with the crankshaft weight now and balance factor we, we change the balance factor an awful lot because the RPM, we're pushing the RPM further and further up for our maximum power. So the balance factor has to change. The standard balance factor is 50%. Now we're moving our balance factor on. Overall weight of the crankshaft is reduced and we actually physically cut it down as much as we can um, and then have it rebalanced accordingly with the new rods and the pistons and that makes a big difference and then we put a little tiny alternator on it now a little race alternator to cut down inertia as much as possible but we can add in inertia weight for the individual riders on the external flywheel if you want to why do you change the rods uh, james is that just for strength and reliability yeah i i'm of another feeling again we've never broken a standard rod but we've we've never asked a standard rod to do something it wasn't really designed to do and especially with back changes with slipper clutches upwards of twelve and a half thousand rpm they will reach does it take an awful long time to work on an engine to give it 95 horsepower again it doesn't take an awful lot of time and it doesn't cost an awful lot of money in the grand scheme of things it takes a lot of thought in order to, to purchase the right items to get to this point. As I said, you, you can, and we've done the same thing, you can go and buy aftermarket stuff from all over the world, from all different companies who make claims, this does this, 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 and actually you don't need any of it. You just need to select some very special items from the Suzuki range and put them into that engine, and you'll be surprised what can be you know, brought out from that engine. I mean, things like the ignition system, we, we have no need to change the, the ignition system on it. It works really well. We've got access now to, to the ECU. We can do anything we need to in relation to, to altering ignition timing, um, fueling across the two cylinders. Um, it, it doesn't warrant buying thousands and thousands of pounds worth aftermarket ECU. The standard Suzuki Mitsubishi item is perfect. It does the job admirably. So, I mean, you, by the sound of things, you get an awful lot of reliable power using either a lot of the existing Suzuki parts or Suzuki engine parts from another model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely right. Absolutely right. So if you take a Hayabusa for argument's sake, you know, it has a horsepower output of, in round figure, say 200 horsepower at the crankshaft. Well, each cylinder is capable of producing 50 horsepower on a rod and piston. Well, that's more, than, that's more than capable of what we want to do with a V-twin. 
more than people. So why not use those parts if we can, if we can utilize them and build things and, and keep the cost down? And it, it ultimately, see about you know, we want to we want to get more of these bikes out there um, and do it in a more cost effective way. We don't want to be buying in items that are hellish expensive and limited numbers. That's why we've tried to sort of do a lot of the, lot of the work and keep a lot of it cost effective. So your club racers will buy it. Um, and that they have, you know, one or possibly even two bikes. And the Suzuki items to buy are very reasonably priced. So it's like an ideal sort of donor uh, engine from which to, you know, build on and uh, make go a lot faster. Yeah, I think I think it is. You know, we, we looked recently, um, we took a cylinder head and we, we sectioned the cylinder head um, um, and split out the valve seat out of it to see if we could get some more material out to increase our valve area, surface area, by, by putting oversized valve seats in it and so forth. But there's just not enough material. We were thinking along the lines of even trying using Hayabusa valves in it. So again, okay. you know, utilising from another model of of the Suzuki range. It, it seems incredible just what can be gained from what is essentially a, a commuter bike engine. Can, can you get an awful lot of sort of extra performance from the chassis as well then, James, with extra bits and modifications? Yeah, the latest generation bike, um, I think we spent, again, about, about two, two seasons playing with it. <clears throat> and we put extra mounted in it. If you look at, if you look at the, 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 the way the engine is mounted into the frame, it doesn't mount the rear cylinder heads um, onto the frame at all like the earlier models did. So it's mounted at front cylinder heads to the frame, but nothing at the rear cylinder heads. So we went through a period of time where we, we, had, some, we had some issues going on and we thought possibly that we were getting too much chassis flex into it. So we in, introduced mountains into the frame so we could bolt it into position. Um, and then we, we took that a step further. There's actually a cross brace that goes in the middle of the frame, um, directly between the two cylinders, between the frame spars. So we took that out and, and, and tried it without that and then put it back in and, and little things like that. Um, but overall, this chassis is a much better feeling chassis circuit-wise um, than the previous cast sort of, you know, second generation chassis, which was very stiff in, it, in its entirety. This, this, this third generation one is very much more like the first generation bike. And what about things like suspension and brakes? What sort of recommendations would you have there? As, as, a, as a road bike and an entry-level race mini twins type bike, the, the, the standard stuff pretty good. Rear shock was over. Yeah, you you you, you got to start looking at changing it because it's not gonna it's not built for what you want to use it for on track. Yeah, it do. You know, if you had a bike that was in good order, it do do a track day, and your normal novice entry level rider probably won't get any issues with it. Um, but your your seasoned rider will 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 sl you know very very quickly show up its it, its faults. But I mean, it seems to me like it's a remarkable engine given what it can do standard and what it can attain in a tuned form remarkable yeah. engine. it's it's a fantastic that's why i love it that's, and i really do you know i love this little engine um it's certainly you know, caught my imagination as well as many other people's imagination um it, it's 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 truly remarkable in its reliability is it one of suzuki's best ever engines in some ways james i can't think in my view, I can't think of another engine that I would say that's a better engine than that little SV6 because it's adapted itself to so many different types of usage. SV650 owner Will Browning bought his bike new in 2017. He's clocked up 24,000 miles on it since. He uses it to get to work each and every day, a 60-mile round trip. But the Suzuki has done a lot more than that, with Will using it regularly for track days. He's also used it for a 2,500-mile tour of Europe. He also rides with his wife on the back and has even done a bit of green laning on the SV650. 
He's obviously got full value for money out of his bike. Here's his story. Okay, Will, tell me, which model of SV650 do you have then? Uh, so I've got the current generation AL7 2017 uh, model. And, and did you buy it new? Yeah, so I bought it um, from Fowlers in Bristol. It was a pre-registered, so it sat in their showrooms. They added on the Cafe Sport pack, just some little trinkets and bits and bobs. Uh, that was in September, yeah, September 2017, at about four, four, four delivery miles on it. And that was it. And, and tell me, uh, tell me about it. Do you enjoy it? What sort of things have you used it for? Yes, I mean, I absolutely love it. It is, um, it's my daily and only transport. So uh -huh. I, don't have, I don't have a car. We have a family car, but that ships the kids around with the missus, not me. Um, so yeah, I was saying I've done, uh, as of the other day, about 24,000 miles on it. Um, it gets used 365 all year round. Um, I've got about a 60 mile commute each day that I do to work. Um, so we, we black along to work on that. Uh, I take my wife out as pillion quite a lot. So it does, does a lot of two up. Um, last summer, went with a load of mates, uh, took it out to um, like a mini mini tour of, of, uh, of Europe. Went out through uh, Wales, across to Ireland, all around Ireland into uh, France, France and Germany, and then kind of a return route back. That was about just short of uh, 2,300 miles that trip was, I think. Uh, and then last year, managed a couple of track days, but the year before, pretty much did a whole season. Um, mainly local. I live just down the road from Castlecombe. So that's kind of like, it's just so easy. I, I end up taking there quite a lot. Um, yeah, so I've pretty much... Oh, and also I have, on occasion, I have cut down a few very light green lanes where I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, in the middle of the summer, when, when, and I know that because I mountain bike around there anyway, I know that they're all kind of pretty much just rutty graveliness. So it's I, I can't really think of anything I haven't done on it, to be honest. I was just about to ask you, actually, the question, the easier question would have been, what have you not used it for? I mean... Okay, you've used it as a commuter, which is pretty much what its primary design was for, but how well did it do on track and what was it like touring Europe on? So if we go with the, the track first, so um, I ride fairly spiritedly on my commute and it's a nice route, um, but obviously nothing you know, compares to pushing it on track. Uh, first track that I took it to was 100% standard. Um, and to be honest, it, it, it was fine. It was all right. I mean, I'm I'm sort of about, I don't know, about 13 and a half stone. So I'm probably a bit heavier than maybe, you know, an average audience is aimed at. So, yeah, I, I was bottoming out the forks sort of by, by the middle of the morning. Um, by the end of that day, it, it was fine. I just had to kind of ride around it a bit. Um, so then that led me to the only major change I've done. Um, I put some race pads in. When, when I go on track, I just switch the pads out. Um, and I did some um, work on the forks. So put cartridge emulators in which um, basically just allows me to give me um, internal adjustability of the compression and rebound. And then I had it sprung for my weight, so I've gone slightly up to about a 9.5 kilo front spring. Um, and, that, and that's it. That's, I mean, I, I, I dial a bit of extra preload in when I'm obviously on the track. But apart from that, I haven't really had to do anything. Um, the rear shock's okay, but it, it, on, on track, perfect on road. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I run, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a club level racer, but I was sort of running towards the front of the intermediates with a lot of sports bikes. Um, no problems in the corners. That's, that's where it handles in the corners. And the fact that you can get on the power straight away, it's just so forgiving um, coming out of the corners. It's infinitely more capable probably than I am um, for now. So yeah, it's brilliant. But also it felt like it had a friendly envelope. Like, you know, you could make a, a bit of a mistake, bring it back online. You could, you know, you could be in the wrong gear. That's the main, that V-twin. I know it's only comparatively a small V-twin if you look at the, you know, the market. Um, it just feels grunty. Yeah, you can, you can just drag it out of you know, a, gear, a gear or two higher than you meant to be by accident. And it, it won't, you know, it won't sort of uh, bog down too much. Um, but it also revs out as well. So it seems to be the perfect, perfect engine for, them, for a little V-twin. Okay, coming away from the track to a very different sort of use. You said you did about a two and a half thousand mile trip round Europe. What was it like doing that? Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, so I went with my brother. Um, 
brother was on an old GSX F750. Um, we went all up through South Wales, North Wales, into Anglesey, and then went across to Ireland and met a mate, and then we sort of joined the group in France. Um, yeah, the mileage range, the, the tanks, I think the tank's big enough. It's, it's not an enormous, you know, 25, 30 litre monster. I think it's about 17, 18 litres possibly off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, it, it gives you more than enough miles. You know, you're talking, I can get 160 miles out of it fairly spiritedly. Um, and, and that's a good time to stop anyway. You know, it's, it's all a good doing 300 miles on a tank. But if you keep doing that over and over and over, you will get sore in the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, riding position, I find fine. fine. Pegs are a nice height. Um, I tweak, I just, I just tweak the, the triple clamps so the bars were just, just right for me and, you know, the usual things with the clutch and brake lever just to get it comfortable. But yeah, cru cruising along at 70, you know, plus if you need to, it, it's fine. Um, and, and then when you get to the twisties, because obviously that's always the point of a, of a tour is to get in the corners, um, you have fun in it as well. Obviously I'm biased. I love my bike and I've had it a while, but it just, it does seem, it seems to do a bit of everything. It's not a master of, of anything in particular, but it will give you a good smile in most areas. What sort of fuel consumption did you get out of it, uh, Will? That's been one of the biggest surprises. Um, even if I'm kind of a mixture of a bit of sort of, you know, motorway type work and then a bit of messing around in the corners, easily getting 50 plus. And that's easy. That's not even trying. Uh, if I'm commuting to work, um, and I take my time and I have a, a, a couple of days or a few few easy rides in, I get up around like the low 70s. Um, and that's not particularly difficult either. So you, you use it all the time in all weathers. Um, yeah. Has it, been, has it stood up to it well? Has it been reliable? Well, the, the, the one and only thing that's ever gone wrong on it, you know, without me breaking it, um, is just a front wheel ABS sensor. Um, still don't know why it looked perfectly um, intact when we took it off but we swapped it out and that was that was the problem so I've no idea about that um, apart from that I've never had anything fail or break on the bike I'm trying to think without without sort of going you know too sort of crazy and big-headed I genuinely don't think there's anything I haven't ridden it through that most people would um, and I've never had any problems um, I chucked some heated grips on gets cold in the winter um, and that was easy um, yeah and that's that's kind of her really so what the future, do you expect to keep this for another few years and another few sort of yeah. 20,000 miles? So what I've done is I've done my sort of seed and a half a track day and really enjoyed it, but probably decided that using my daily commuter was not a good idea to be doing it regularly on track. So I've just bought another SV, but an already converted an old, an old one, 2007, already in full like mini twin race spec. So that's now going to be the track tool. So I won't put my bike back on track. Um, so yeah, when the foreseeable, it, it'll keep taking me to work. I don't see, I can't see anything that I'd want straight away at the moment that would replace it. Um, so yeah, and is, there's, there's that thing, I do a lot of miles on it, but I know whatever I do to it, I can afford to run it, service it, repair it. So if I break it, I know I can get parts and, and they're affordable. I obviously go through tires, you know, like, like you would do when you start to do the mileage. You know, I can afford to put, you know, half decent tires on it, it doesn't cost a fortune things like brakes, you know, just the consumables are not expensive. Um, so for me, it'd have to be a pretty good proposition to get me off of it. Occasionally, you wish you had a bit of weather protection, especially in the middle of winter, and you're getting full-on blasted in the face and thinking, mm, if I had a fairing in the screen, it might be a bit more pleasant. Um, but I'm still young enough and stupid enough that I'll just bite the bullet and carry on for now. So, I mean, apart from any lack of weather protection, is there any sort of specific dislikes or irritations about it? Um, irritations. Um, I mean, I, I wish it had come with a slightly better shock on the rear, but then I think probably any road shock, even if you buy top-end stuff and then you start tracking it, is going to need swapping out. Um, but, no, I don't, I don't think so. I certainly, in terms of the riding comfort and position and the engine vibes I, I don't get any problems with that so no whinges or moans about that ambient temperature gauge i quite like that because i just like to know when you get out in the morning how, how close to freezing point are we um but no do you know what i'm trying to, to, to genuinely think through it but i generally spend my time boring people about how much i like it um <laughs> yeah there are better bikes of course they're better bikes but they're either more expensive 
or you know you've you've put money into it for what it is i don't think there's anything that really winds me up or, or i wish was different um no she knows she knows genuinely <laughs> that, that, that seems too positive doesn't it? That seems, i'm genuinely i'm trying to think of something to whinge about but yeah maybe the, i'll tell you what i will do the, the the front brakes you know they are they're an old design now old sliding caliper um but again I'm only really finding that limit when I'm pushing or I'm on track or I'm too up and, 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 and I'm, I'm not saying they're rubbish, you know, and they're not doing the job. Of course they're doing the job and the ABS works perfectly well on the road. Um, but yeah, on, on track, you do, you do wish you had perhaps some better stoppers and I can see that's been addressed in the new models. That's one of the upgrades they've had, isn't it? They've got the, the four pop calipers on them now. Um, I've not ridden a test one, so I'd imagine that feels better. That's probably about the only thing, but that seems quite harsh. Yeah, I mean, I'm finding the more people I speak to about the SV, the more remarkable I think it is. I mean, is that your view as well, Will? Yeah, and I, you know, I wasn't a, a diehard Suzuki fan, you know, and bought it because of that. I've owned GSX-Rs in the past, but you know, I've owned Hondas and all sorts of other bikes. Um, and then through work, I ride different bikes as well. So, um, but when I, and, and I have to say, I almost stumbled on it because I needed one at the time, my previous bike was stolen. Um, so I was straight away in the market and I, I needed to buy a replacement. Um, so, but from the first test ride, it just felt, do you know what, this will kind of do everything. And it's also got a bit of character. I find that a lot of the parallel twin engines and the cheaper inline fours, there's not a lot of sort of character. Even I mean that, yes, the exhaust, I like the R, all the new Euro exhausts are quite big. Still makes an all right noise. You know, it, it gives you, you know, it's a V twin. That's, that's for sure. Whereas, yeah, the SV just seems, I think, yeah, it's, 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 a, pack, it's, it's a good package. That's, I think that's what it is. They've hit it on the head. Um, go back to, like, bandits and stuff. Yeah, they're kind of, they're the same coolness, but they, they run out a lot sooner than the SV. Um, so, yeah, I love it. Well, wasn't that a reminder of the multitasking ability of the SV650? It seems the little Suzuki can turn its hand to absolutely anything. What a bike. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss the next Inside Line podcast. See you then.